time to hammer. Okay. Now I gotta really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. The Young Chunks Podcast. Young Chunks! Hello everyone, this is Sean Davis. And this is Chris. And you're listening to After the Credits, the podcast about movies, TV, video games, and whatever else pop culture we want to talk about this week. Um, and guess what? It's only two of us today. Two people. We don't have all those other losers dragging us down. That lives are too busy to just <laughs> sit at home and finish video games. Uh, yeah. Today, uh, it's just going to be Chris and myself. Um, specifically because we're going to be talking about a video game today and... Uh, we're the only ones who have played that game up to this point. Maybe they could do their own episode about this sometime in the future. God of War <laughs> Part 2. Two years later. Only Vince and Chewie. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, Ryan never never gets around. Ryan will have his own single-person podcast yeah. about it. Uh, well, so yes, we're going to be talking about the new um, God of War video game from Santa Monica Studios. Um, Chris and I have both played through it, and um, we have a lot to say about it, and we thought it would be a fun episode to do. So, yeah, if you don't like video games or care about God of War, you better still listen. You need to broaden your horizons, people. It's not all Avengers and and candy. And quiet places (laughs) and solos. and And, Yes, exactly. Um... But anyways, um, before we get to that, um, we thought we'd kind of mention a couple of things that we're actually looking forward to on the gaming scene coming out in the next uh, on the horizon in the next couple months. Um, we're both pretty avid gamers, so we like to keep uh, up up on the the pulse of gaming um, and some of the stuff that we're interested in. Um, Chris, what 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 do you got? What do you got your eyes on? Well, my eyes are currently on Detroit. Oh yeah, the the, the city. Not, oh. not, not the <laughs> just game. unrelated. The it's a city huge on a map. Market. I'm just looking at Detroit on a map right now. Um, Have you started playing it? Yeah, I, I I'm a pretty good way through it. I'm really enjoying it. Really? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, uh, I haven't started yet. I I will start it soon. Um, I mean, at the time of recording. So. I'd like to do another episode about that once we get through it, but. Uh, I mean, overall, it's a really pretty game. Yeah. Uh, the The facial animations and the way they look, the mm-hmm. graphics and stuff, it's really good. It also seems so far like he's that that Quantic Dreams has avoided the normal performance issues that they usually encounter. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't really had any issues with frame rate dips or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So overall, it's a really good time, a really good story so far. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've only just kind of kind of heard people talking and read some reviews and while the reviews have been pretty mixed there's nothing been nothing surprising about them for me like a lot of it's what i expected from from quantic dreams and kind of david cage um for better and worse so i'm I'm definitely still interested and will play it once i mean without going too far into it i do see a lot of why people are mixed on it Mm -hmm. the story is very ham-fisted you know it's like i right off the bat i was like i see where you're going with this (laughs) subtlety it's it's a word david <laughs> yeah look it up um but so yeah that that's something on that. my radar and then there's uh e3 is in a couple the games game? actually e3 the video game the e, the e3 <laughs> video game where it's actually a little cell phone game where you go to <laughs> e3 
and you walk around and wait you in wait lines. lines yeah and you pay if you want to do microtransactions <laughs> yeah. and you could cut in line and get yeah um it's really nice yeah e3 is coming up in a couple months i know a couple months couple weeks well oh yeah well yeah like a week or two less, yeah less than two weeks um june, june 12th yep june 12th 13th 14th um both of us will be attending so that should be a lot of fun um i'm actually going to be working at myself so hopefully i'll get a chance to check out some um some of the demos and what other people are showing off between my shifts um and who knows maybe we'll do an episode about e3 you know? the reason i bring that up though is because the game that i am most looking forward to for the rest of the year has been confirmed as having a presence there which is big news that kingdom hearts 3 will be playable on the floor what is this kingdom hearts 3 you speak of well it comes after kingdom what hearts is kingdom Drift hearts Drift. chris <laughs> it's light Sean. Oh. it's light um yeah well yeah no i'm definitely excited for that too and that's another one we might do an episode on but man do you think it's gonna live up to everything that expectations isn't even the right word it's It's more than just expectations it's been well over a decade since two came out Mm -hmm. um i think for people who are fans of the series it will have no problem delivering to them however for people that weren't a part of the series that are hoping like I'm going to get three when it comes out because it's whatever I it's going to have a hard time meeting expectations to those people. Maybe. What about the people who are more casual? So the people who haven't played the 65 intermediary kingdom hearts fraction decimal sure... Roman numerals. <laughs> final chapter prologue. <laughs> yeah. That, that they maybe just played kingdom hearts one and two because they've been numbered and like, Oh, I remember that game. That was a lot of fun. I'm sure it'll have like a it? fun little pop lined recap. up with, yeah recap of everything going <laughs> six on six hour beginning, recap that makes no sense okay. uh, i even attempted that, that i mean be... it's no lie that since it's been over a decade since there's even been a main one that but there's been plenty of games in between that the story is very complicated and it does seem like the story on the handhelds are probably a little bit more important to the overall plot than yeah. the main series ones are. Well, that's what I mean. Do you think that they're going to... All um, in all, I would have to imagine that, if or? you jump in on three, which is supposed to be the final one in this Dark Seeker arc, <laughs> as it's called, even just you will be so confused. <laughs> you will be so confused. There's um, time travel, there's light and dark, right, there's well, different realms, there's... Let's not jump too far down that rabbit hole, because we may not talk about anything else. But It yeah, all began. I, and... we, we can at least say we're both looking forward to that in some way or another, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, what I'm really looking forward to is Octopath Traveler, um, Square Enix. It's uh oh, a right. very you have a reminiscent switch, huh? what's that i was like oh right you have a switch huh yes i was exactly. looking forward to that until i saw it was a switch only thing i was like yeah <laughs> sucker uh no it's a very kind of retro well not even retro just reminiscent kind of nostalgic but um art style similar to like bravely default or even the romancing saga from like uh years and years ago um looks like a fun kind of throwback classic rpg but it looks like it's a really intriguing like mature fun story um and the title is also just kind of wacky octopath traveler <laughs> it's all square does it just rolls off the tongue right <laughs> um that comes out in july so that one it's not gonna be it's no not getting all the publicity like a kingdom hearts 3 or like a spider-man or a tomb raider which 
both of those I'm also looking forward to. Both in September. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that'll be interesting. But anyways, that one I'm, I'm, it's one of my most uh, excited. Uh, one I'm most excited mm. for. So, but yeah, Spider Man, Tomb Raider, both of those as well. Um, Spider Man, we'll see. We haven't really seen any live like real time gameplay footage. No, there was. Has a, there been? I don't remember. I think a lot it was of it. last. Uh, uh, not TGS last PGS, uh, P or P- PlayStation, PlayStation PSX. They show a scene, an in-game scene. Granted, it was mostly context. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I guess it was kind of gameplay, but it seemed to be more like a quick time eventy kind of sequence yeah. than actual like normal kind of combat or whatever the gameplay is going to be. Um, so yeah, you're right to extent. But I, I guess what I'm saying is there hasn't been like a full on like a. 10 minute demo where you're playing through what the nitty gritty of the game's going to be. Yeah. Another one, correct me if I was wrong, that got delayed. Days Gone? Yeah, that, uh, is that end of year now? Is it still 2018? I thought it got delayed into 2019. I'm not sure we can check on the dates on that. But yeah, it definitely got delayed again. That That was surprising because Bend has already been working on that for so long that for it to get a major delay at this point. Well, and both at PSX last year and E3 last year, they had pretty big displays of Mm. it. So it's like interesting that it keeps getting dragged out. So um, yeah, I mean, if it makes the the product better, I I usually am fine with those kind of delays. But at a certain point, it's like, oh, it it hopefully isn't problematic. You know, something like that. Duke Nukem 3D or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, all those. What else? Anything else? There's not too much. Red Dead, Red, Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2. Looking forward to that. Um, I'm trying to think. I actually think the rest of the year is... After yeah, I feel Spider-Man like, and Tomb Raider, it feels relatively slow. Yeah. I do feel in a lot of ways, 2016, 2017 had a lot of like the kind of culmination of a lot of in in the industry and Mm -hmm. you know there's slightly cycles as with any industry and i felt like 2017 especially had a lot especially with the switch release and all the nintendo um, parties um coming out all that kind of stuff and 2018 while there's so far there's been some good stuff and there will there's a few more things on the horizon i do feel like it's maybe the kind of tail end of that curve um until it ramps up again maybe mid next year or something like that do you so, think they'll be Death Stranding at E3? Um, I don't even know. They It'll be just like some weird art piece. 15 minutes. It's going to be interpretive dance trailer <laughs> or something. Yes. Oh, you know what I can't Make wait for? Uh-huh. I can't wait for the Ubisoft uh, press conference Reveal they... of Just Dance. Oh, yes. Well, they've already they <laughs> leaked that there's some new French or new... But it's, it's not even really a leak. It's like, yeah, of course there's going to be another Assassin's Creed or there's going to be another... Beyond Good and Evil 2 should hopefully oh, be that there. Oh, that would be cool. That's also a game I'd be looking forward to. Yeah, but I don't think that would be any time this year for sure, even if they had something to be Who knows? Who knows? Well, anyways, so those are a handful of stuff that we're, we're looking forward to. Um, if you guys are looking forward to stuff, let us know. Tell us in the comments and stuff. What what, what games do you are you guys excited for? Um but um, now that we got that out of the way, let's get to the main course. The main dish. The main god of course. Um, that is God of War. The new the new God of War. What do we call like what are they gonna call the sequel to this? Yeah, God just God of War. <laughs> Everything is just God of War. Yes, I mean they can't if they call it God of War two, 
things will get really confusing <laughs> really fast. I think they'll do something where they'll just God of War subtitles. God of War, Ragnarok. God of War. Yeah, that's probably the route they Valhalla have to go at this point, right? Um, because this one's technically, what, six? Five? Six? Well, do you count the portables? I mean, you. I guess you would have to. Then it would be seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God of War 7 how come they didn't put a little 7 in the title like uh, Resident Evil did that would have been so perfect because the main weapon is an axe 7 looks like an axe oh, there you go oh, man, missed it. opportunity All right, my, I'm gonna rewrite, rewrite all my notes this game sucks <laughs> um, well also before we begin uh, well, of course there's gonna be spoilers I know it's slightly different with the game when we talk about games but especially a game like God of War that is so um, heavily driven by the narrative, we we do want to make sure that we point out there are going to be spoilers in the discussion. We're going to be talking about everything, um, a lot about the story and character stuff. So if you plan on playing the game, we definitely recommend not spoiling yourself because one of the appeals for me and one of the you know main attractions was the story and and actually what a, an amazing job they kind of did of like of being such a authentic uh, good story that those revelations and those moments actually. Um, hit home and, and played off well. I mean, um, I guess the play off that preamble a little bit to the same effect, it, also to give a little placement of where I stand on this, was one of the reasons I didn't like God of War before this was mainly because Kratos was a one-note character. Mm-hmm. Just anger. That, was, that yeah. was his note. No depth. It was just, I'm angry. I'm yeah. going to kill everything. Right? Yeah. This... What drew me to this was the fact that he was no longer that two-dimensional yeah. character, right? Yeah. Well, actually, you bring up a good point before we get straight into the... Let's kind of go a little bit... So my experience with the God of War franchise, I've played all of them and beat all of them. I've even got the Platinum trophies on, I think, 1, 2, and 3, maybe even Ascension. Um, but I have not played one of the portable ones. I think Ghost of Sparta or Chain... It's whatever. Be one the of the best one. What's that? Ghost of Sparta is supposed to be the best I don't know one. if it's that one or the other one I haven't played. But that's the only one I haven't played. I've played all the rest of the franchise. Um, and I agree. The, I, I think the gameplay, um, while repetitive for the most part, is the tried and true gameplay. Or I'm not talking about this one. I'm talking about throughout the, mm. the previous series. They kept me interested enough. And the world and just like the spectacle of it all kept me going through. But I agree. Not only did I, I get bored of Kratos, I actively... S- just like disliked him by You're the kind end of, of rooting the... against him yeah i seriously was <laughs> like it just was just anger for anger's sake and it was very edgelordy kind of stuff and and in a lot of ways we'll get into this with the new game but it was a reminiscent and, and embodied that persona of the mid 2000s early 2000s mm. of of kind of gamers and just like what games were perceived as back then a lot in my mind and and I, and then got old pretty quick i think the first one actually was a really good arc for he had an actual arc in that in mm. that in that um, game, but then beyond that, it just kind of became just, yeah, just like pure violence and hatred and anger. Not in and of itself being a bad thing, but that because there was nothing more to it than that, it just became old and boring, and and <laughs> like I said, it, it made me actively dislike Kratos as a character. Yeah, I mean, I only played one, I think, halfway through two, mm. and the first two minutes of three, and I would, well, that was, those the, the first ten minutes of three were probably the best, some of the best parts. <laughs> Again, though, it's just playing on the huge spectacle of it all when you're fighting Poseidon and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't say there was any depth in terms of like, ooh, some sort of like amazing gameplay 
revelation or change. It was the same old square, square, triangle, square, square, triangle, yeah. square, 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 <laughs> square, square, see, square, triangle. Did you see the little meme online of, uh, this is kind of going into the new guy to work with yeah. him and his son and his son's uh, like, dad, how, how did I come? How, how did I come across or how, how was I born? And Kratos is like, do you really want to know? And he's like, tell me everything. <laughs> and then it's just a bunch of the mini games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's, that's also really indicative, right? And I think almost every one of the previous ones, uh, there wasn't an ascension. There was a scene, but there's no mini game. There's no sex mini game in this. Like it's, it's evolved a little bit and showing more maturity. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, we're not appealing to the 13 year old. Not that, you know, there's not some value in appealing to a certain demographic, but they've realized like, we can't just constantly appeal to this 13 year old demographic and, and pretend like we're making anything beyond schlock. I mean, it kind of comes down to the director, right? Yeah. Corey Balrog. Oh, yeah, for sure. He seems like he's probably matured a yeah. bit since back in the day. And before even him, it was David Jaffe's mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you just look at like the minds behind it and yeah. you can see why there was a tonal shift in the end. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's actually kind of interesting, a little bit with David Jaffe, the last game he made, that, sh- that um, team shooter or whatever... The drawn to death or whatever, drawn which which didn't do well, and I can't, I haven't played it, so I can't say from my own experience, of, you know, if it was good or bad or anything like that. But I remember reading about it, and from what I understand of it, it's a very much the same vein as as God of War One or the early God of War games of just like this crude like anger and just like you know all that kind of mentality, and it feels like that's you haven't really matured. It's the same mentality that we can expect from a game made in 2005. People, oh, video games, yeah, we're punk rock. And like, but, but Corey Balrog, Barlog, uh, seems to have taken the other, pro- like, oh, he's matured. He's now a father. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's like understood that like games, they have to evolve and they have to move beyond that mentality. Otherwise, it's a stagnant art form or it's a stagnant thing and, and they die out right like it and i mean not to belittle what cory did with it but you can see that he was pretty heavily influenced by the other oh, companies yeah, that sure. have been kind of oh, paving the way in that same kind of evolution yeah right? and to a certain extent everyone does that anyway so um but yeah and that and that's a good thing you should be known like recognizing and reflecting upon the industry in which you work to a certain extent um <clears throat> in any case um uh yeah so let's get into it so i think we both kind of are clear that we both highly enjoyed the game um we wouldn't be doing an episode if it was you know game we well just to mix it up at some point we'll have to find a game we all hate yeah but i think we have to find something that we all really hate (laughs) um it's nothing boring you know what i mean um but anyway so yeah we we both enjoyed this a lot um there's just for me there is so many moments of just kind of small surprises nothing like Mm. shocking but just like oh that was really cool how they did that i really appreciate that they did this instead of that or they did it this way um and just everything about um the gameplay was fun it kept me engaged that kind of that feedback loop kept me constantly wanting to play Mm. more and then undeniably the game is just presented beautifully like it's just such a beautiful game in so many ways yeah i mean just going right into it like it's probably one of the just the best looking games mm-hmm. currently on the market in general facial animations the world yeah the, just when i booted it up i saw an older kratos right yeah. a, a kratos that had gone away from everything in the first one and like just the way he looked sold that whole story like you didn't 
need to know what had happened between the end of three mm-hmm. or whatever and this one, right? Yeah. You could just see it in his character. Yeah. And that was really, really well designed. Like, yeah. the changes. And all the subtle things, too. Like, I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't really even call them subtle. They're kind of blatant. But, like, you know, the scar from on his stomach mm-hmm. and just, like, the other scars and the, his wrappings on his arm. Um, all... I mean, that's how the game basically opens, right? Yeah, it opens exactly. with him kind of with the wrappings on his yeah. arm, like that old habit of kind of like... Yeah. And we'll get some more of this when we get into the story, but even how they're presenting it, again, you're, you're storytelling by, by showing, not telling, right? It's mm-hmm. all these small, subtle visual cues that inform you, especially for people who have played it before and know that story, to remind you, like, this is, he, this is where he's come from. But it's not the same anymore. He's different. And for those who maybe haven't played, there's, I'm sure, undoubtedly a ton of new adopters who just are playing this. It hints at this story, backstory without having to explain everything to him. And it's way more effective. Yeah, through just through his movements and the characters. And I also want to bring up the music. Oh, yeah. Like, I was never, I never, like, listened to the God of War soundtrack before this one. I actually yeah. went out and I, I bought this soundtrack. Oh, really? I, I thought Bear McCreary, the guy uh-huh. did he's the guy that did this he also does like walking dead yeah uh like i thought like especially the theme of yeah. this one was just fantastic it was very yeah. emotional powerful type stuff you, yeah kind of carried with it kind of carried with it like i felt like his history too oh yeah for sure i mean m- most video game especially triple a kind of big games like this have scores now that are on par with any you know creative film blockbuster um and this i think in a lot of ways even kind of extends a little bit beyond that just because game soundtracks have to be much, so much more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was never a moment where I felt that, that hand of the director, it always just felt so authentic in the space I was playing and how it blends to each yeah. encounter. Um, it just did a really good job and adapting a lot of just kind of the cultural Norse, like, tones and influences that i mean i don't know really anything about norse <laughs> mythology um or you know culture I, or history I studied the music of but norse mythology if, i mean it, they did a good job of making it seem like it was real if if it is or isn't mm-hmm. uh i believed it as like okay yeah i could picture this being you know from that time and place or you know whatever yeah. the fake history place so i mean like. all of that just in that opening scene yeah. like i said i didn't finish three i know mm-hmm. i know the story yeah. but just like the opening with the music and the animations, yeah. like a really worn down Kratos yeah. and everything. Like I felt I knew everything I needed to know to start this game. Yeah. Just in those opening shots. Um, and also to the voice acting. So they got a different voice actor for Kratos mm-hmm. this time around. And I remember hearing that. I'm like, oh, that's kind of because one of the things I consistently did thought did like from all the previous God of Wars was like, oh, that, he's a good voice actor. You know, he definitely embodies that just mm-hmm. rage and anger. And so I was like, oh, I was kind of curious why they're getting a new voice actor. And I can't say it was the wrong or right decision, but I think I appreciate it. Because, well, if you didn't know as a new voice actor, if you're not as savvy, you might not even notice. But as someone who did notice the small changes, I also thought it was, uh, you know, um, important because it was. It's kind of a new beginning, right? And mm-hmm. is is you know as much as it's a person behind the voice in the previous games, it is good to know that like okay, this is it's not the same Kratos anymore. And part of that means that we have to change who Kratos is. Literally, the voice of Kratos. Right. I mean, part of it also had uh, probably came down to also 
the fact that it's become such a trend, especially in these major yeah. cinematic things, that I mean, they're essentially acting on a stage for yeah. most of the major plot points, right? Mm-hmm. Those are fully acted yeah, out the scenes. Yeah, the mocap and all that yeah, stuff. So live captures. Maybe a part of that that part played into it. Yeah, that could be part end. of it as well. Like looking for not just an actor that could mm-hmm. portray through their voice, but someone who could also portray yeah. it on the mocap stage. Yeah, and I mean, this we'll get into this more when we get into kind of character stuff. But just again, the way that he. They did such a good job of being subtle. Mm-hmm. The, all, Kratos doesn't ever say a lot, but everything he says feels super appropriate and just like the perfect thing to say at the time. Um, it's evocative of his emotional state and the relationship with the son, who also, by the way, the voice actor who plays Atreus, I thought was really, really good. I don't know if it's an actual kid or not, but um, I was first skeptical because... It was, we, by the way. It was played by a kid? Yeah. yeah, I figured like it seemed way too like again authentic for it to be an mm-hmm. adult kind of mimicking a child but um <clears throat> one thing i was kind of skeptical at first is because atria because of this world of like norse mythology and gods and just like this ancient idea of what you perceive as as these as mythology to have atreus just be like a kid that we would recognize in modern day as like an 11 year old <laughs> kid he doesn't have an accent he talks with i mean he's not using like cool dude kind of lingo but it's very you know you know representative of our current discussion singing justin bieber yeah exactly like i thought at first for a while like oh is that is gonna is that gonna make sense in this world and it does i think it totally does i think they they got you know for most for the most part all the characters kind of adopt a more modernized just you know conversational Mm -hmm. tone but without abandoning this epic kind of you know, mythology scale of what they're right. talking about. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just those opening moments were all really good. Yeah. Um, and then I guess yeah. going further into it is the graphics of the world. Mm-hmm. So this one went a little hub and spoke with this design, yeah. right? So the hub being the Lake of Nine, the home area and a couple other places. Right. Yeah. And then the spoke being all the story related yeah. elements, but just the lake of nine itself i you know it just it just bled norse to me like Mm -hmm. i when i got out there in my little canoe simulator and i'm just canoeing everywhere in this lake you got jormungandr just chilling up there and all that stuff and the statues there's fjords all around (laughs) fjords everywhere uh gold just floating in water apparently uh it's just like norway (laughs) uh also just like the the structures like the statues yeah. of like thor and stuff like well, all broken yeah. down like it really they they did a good job of making it feel different from the greece of mm-hmm. the original series mm-hmm. and making me feel like it was like nordic you know like oh yeah for sure and just the way they infused like small things like the runes everywhere mm-hmm. you went and just kind of the symbolic representations of those things um on small things too just like the menu but especially the map like i think it's real easy to to overthink a map in modern gaming or make it too detailed which in general i actually like i love maps just in general Mm -hmm. but games that really draws me to the world i really like the map in this where it's not so detailed that it shows every single little path but it's representational to an accurate enough level but also infuses that sense of of the norse mythology yeah. just said there's all the runes everywhere and the kind of symbols every like i i really enjoyed that aspect of it too 
Also, you go to a couple of different realms. If anybody that's watched the Marvel movies knows about Thor and its yeah. realms, like going, I felt each realm felt very different from it. Yeah, the, the other one and mm-hmm. like Helheim, you know, it had a really cool vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Alfheim, yeah. Muspelheim, I didn't and that's it. what I mean too when I was saying how there was often times where I was consistently surprised. The first time you go to another realm, I was like. What what the heck? Where there's a whole other like realm you go to, and then that there's even more of them. Just that just, transition, like, the transition. Yeah. It, like I remember because you go into that room, right, and it's all the graphics. The mm-hmm. room's spinning. Yeah. And you see Yggdrasil kind of wrapping around you yeah. to transport you. You got because uh, it's Alfheim is the first place you go to, right? Yeah. Uh, you see, it has a more woodish vibe to it, mm-hmm. like so, like. Which is different than the Lake of Nine, so yeah. you see like all these vines and yeah. giant flowers and such, and it was. I remember that being one of my favorite moments in the game when I was playing. Yeah, Kirby. and even it like when so you first graphically walk into Alfheim and you kind of see this conflict between the light elves and dark elves mm-hmm. playing out around you, and you're just kind of walking through this world, and as a player, you know, obviously it's like already pretty like breathtaking like oh what's going on i was not expecting this and as you like as this is happening all these conflicts that play into the story and the gameplay um all kind of infuse really well i think you mentioned a lot of the statue stuff um all that stuff's really great and i think just the character design is really really Mm -hmm. good of the of the actual like um protagonists and antagonists and stuff a lot of the side characters mimir is brilliant i thought it was just he's (laughs) like the idea of just a head being a character who's like your companion i thought it was so great um and like the Dwarven Brothers and stuff, all that was great. The one thing, the one criticism I would have maybe for it is I did think that a lot of the enemies were kind of bland. Some of them were interesting. And some there was were a more limited design. So the Draugrs, they yeah. all looked alike, you know, yes. overall. Yeah. And they were mostly what you fought. Yeah. Then there were Travelers. There were Elves. And... Yeah, I mean, there was, in terms of the gameplay aspect of the enemies, I felt there was a pretty good variety. But in terms of the visual variety and just the yeah. way they're designed, they... No, I agree with you. Yeah. It's it's actually a problem I have with a lot of games. And yeah. it's way more obvious in even bigger games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you go out into, like, an open world game. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. As much as I love Witcher 3, yeah. you, you run into that same problem, right? Yeah, it's there's... just like, I'm fighting... Yeah another variation of a troll but yeah, it looks really just the same as put everything. a different color palette on them or something yeah. like that and uh, which is understandable why they have to but yeah i, I see what you're saying and yeah. i kind of agree again it, i mean it, it's a pretty minor criticism especially because i think for the most part in terms of what's important um with enemies is the gameplay variety mm-hmm. i think that's still solid but yeah just in terms of like Especially after, because it's a pretty long game, especially after how many hours you've been playing it and you're on your whatever X number of encountered, and it's like, oh, another group of Draugrs. It's just, it feels a little tiny bit like, okay, I've seen this and done this before. Right. No, also going back to your note about the character designs and Mm -hmm. how they just all felt, that was, I agree, and kind of going a little off topic here, it's something that I brought up when Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice came uh out. And this came out is I really like how dirty it kind of oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. because I feel like the public perception of Norse mythology right now is very clearly that yeah. Marvel. Well, one, that's right? what I mean. Which how is much a very of... pretty, pretty boy Thor and yeah. all that stuff. I like that th- these two things, Norse mythology based, like they're darker, they're grittier, yeah. not like just like edgelord type stuff, but it's yeah. just like you know things don't have to be pretty boy they can yeah. be just like 
Yeah, it's more, more tribalistic, I, mean, I guess. More tribalistic, more lived in. It 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 imbues a, a stronger sense of just like um, history to a lot of it. If it's not quite as shiny, if that makes sense, and not mm-hmm. quite as that same veneer. Um, one thing I did like. Well, we'll get into some more of the story, but uh, kind of goes towards the presentation is that um, as much as there is that kind of grittiness, I, I just I I couldn't I can't under or overstate how much I appreciate that there wasn't it doesn't it wasn't just full of hatred and anger and violence in this world that there was beauty to be found that there was interactions and communication and Love. relationships and like compassion and all those things were there in this game and i think that's if if i had to like just on a holistic level say why i stopped liking the previous god of war games is because they stopped liking that like ultimately it was just kratos no rhyme reason or whatever just destroy everything and that is just i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i mean this is also just aided by the fact that this one you have a son that follows you totally but it's there's also just a lot more characters that you're frequently in contact Mm -hmm. with in this one like the witch of the woods it feels more a live world right and i feel like that's like you said probably something that was lacking in the other ones Mm -hmm. because then yeah if you're just kratos running around everywhere angry with nobody with nobody to play off of yeah then yeah it's a one note story yeah so that all aided that kind of sense of a a living world the the story yeah yes. so well like go, i love the story yeah like so going into the part of the live world and the lived world that i was talking about and what i was saying in terms of it just being uh, a more dynamic um interaction that the player has instead of just destruction mm-hmm. and that that is at the heart of what the story is about right um and i think that's one re- another reason why i was surprised kind of throughout um but even in that way, it was never so, like, um, expected. There was still an ambiguity. There was still a little bit twists and turns. Mm-hmm. And as much um, as a story is a simple story, it, it's really simple. they we, they got to get our mom's ashes to the top of this mountain. How many ways and interactions and scenarios that plays out through? Like, it's, it's just kept me constantly interested in the story. Mm-hmm. But also, the heart of it all is just the relationship between Kratos and Atreus. Yeah, like... Previously, it was all about revenge, right? Yeah. This one, like you said, very simple story. It's motivated by a mother's last wishes, right? Mm-hmm. She was just, which, once we get to the ending of it, yeah. we realize there was more to that yeah. wish, right? But for the entirety of the game, you're sitting there, you're like, we're just trying to get this person's ashes to the, t- yeah. the highest peak in the, of all the realms or whatever, and all this crap keeps happening around us. Yeah. So we just want to do this thing and there's like all this like kind of drama of all the gods and and you're just like i don't want to be involved i just just let us do this thing which i thought uh the new actor for kratos did a good job of portraying right he's Mm -hmm. like been there done that trust me kid you don't want to be a part of this (laughs) let's just stay focused can everyone just leave us alone (laughs) like even like the allies at first and even you know throughout most of it kratos is very reticent to kind of have anything to do with them it's like I'm not touching that. Okay, fine. If it'll help us, do we need to open this door? Is it a literal wall in my path? Yes. I'll go through it. But anything other than that, I don't want to get sidetracked. But also, and so you have that kind of mindset, and then you have Atreus, who is the exact opposite. If not the exact opposite, then the foil, Mm -hmm. you know, off of that. Where he's just so enthralled by everything he encounters, and he's just so passionate and excited to interact with new people. And he thinks, and I think... On even a, on a maybe a deeper level, I think it's a it's a cool kind of metaphor to an extent of the games industry as a whole, right? You have um, 
the the previous like if not previous generations then the kind of old mentality of just like this is games are just like straightforward like kratos is like i just have i gotta go do my thing Mm -hmm. and then you have slightly more modern gaming where it's a little bit more open world and more about players decisions and how they're going to interact with this immersive environment and that's atreus where atreus is kind of no we want to do all these things and kratos is like no we're doing this one thing and how that kind of blends into ultimately something that's better than either one i think yeah i mean I don't really have much to go off on that one. Oh, okay. I, I disagree so, with you. You disagree? <laughs> no, I just oh, agree okay. with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a thought I had. I don't know I mean, it's how like much the, that's intended. Also, but... just like the little notes, you know, like when you first start doing side quests and oh, yeah. Kratos is like, boy, stay focused. Yeah. Boy. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That's where he's and like, no, we're doing this. And, and like, then it get, it, it, they kind of play it off too, right? Because after a while, you start doing more of those side quests yeah. and Kratos is just like, it's for resources. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, another thing too, I was actually surprised at how funny I found it. And not funny in the traditional, well, in the common way a games can be funny where it's just like jokes or whatever. Mm. It's funny for character-based comedy. Like, it's only funny because it's Kratos saying this or it's Atreus saying this. There are so many mo- like tiny little moments where just like, um atreus yeah he has like some comment and kratos just a completely non like straight playing just because that's who his character is yeah. having some line dismissive line or whatever and it just being just really funny and or sometimes the opposite where kratos would be doing something or or have some comment about the impact or importance of a certain thing and atreus being just like a kid not understanding the full implications mm-hmm. of what kratos is saying so his comment being just like completely genuine but also just really funny at the same time so they did a really good job with the writing in terms of those aspects I yeah so i mean most of the game in the ca- canoe simulator yeah. 2018 <laughs> is you rowing in a canoe talking to your son well, back most forth. of the game There's... most of the game is a canoe simulator <laughs> Especially with how many times you I had to, to hear. how many times I had to backtrack to places in the Rebel Nine as, yeah. as I unlocked new abilities and stuff. It was oh, yeah. a canoe simulator. <laughs> well, I suppose that's true. I mean, there was a lot of canoeing. There, you do unlock fast travel later on. That was another criti- criticism I have is that it was kind of clunky fast travel system. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of canoe parts were thankfully I felt entertaining. Well, yeah, they do the they do that thing now, right? Where yeah. they play they this every time as soon as the game recognizes oh. They've been in here for 10 seconds without stopping, so they're going somewhere. Yeah. Therefore, activate this scene, right? Mm-hmm. And so you'd have a, a good heart-to-heart or something where... Or maybe Kratos would regale Atreus with a horrible story from Greece times or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was good. And then, like you brought up earlier, Mimir, the talking head, mm-hmm. he, he gets added into it. And then he, once he's part of it, you know, he gives a lot of backstory to that universe, that world. And that yeah. was all really good. And that brings me to a note that one thing I, I will credit even to the old God of War and to this God of War is how they portray these, these like beliefs, right? These, mm, yeah. these religions, if you will. I don't know what you want to call them. Yeah. But, you know, this... Once again, going back to the Marvel thing, you know, there's there's the Disney version of this stuff, like Hercules and things yeah. like that. And then there's this like grittier version. Now, I mean, reading into this stuff, it, the real versions land somewhere in between, really. They're yeah. not this bad. But like, I love the oh, yeah. fact that like the kind of concept of the God of War games is just like how Kratos feels about gods, right? Mm-hmm. In general, he's like, gods don't care about people. 
Yeah. That's why they're gods, yeah. right? Right? They have this attitude. And so there's this real negative attitude that Kratos has. And it's actually self-loathing, him being a god himself. Yeah. All that stuff. It, it's just really good, you know? Like, one of the, the things they just kept hammering on was just how terrible Thor is, right? Yeah. I mean, they. It's it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because... Thor and Odin, too, both of them, they inf- they constantly are referencing them. And this, there's these imposing figures, these figures that just leave a path of destruction wherever they go. Mm-hmm. But you never see them throughout the game. And that's something, I don't know how you felt about that. I, I appreciate it in one sense because, um, because the story wasn't about them. So I'm glad they didn't try- force this thing like, oh, you have to go fight Odin now. Because it wasn't about that. So I'm glad they didn't force that. But at a certain level... They're building up this so much that you're like, oh, I can't wait to fight Odin. And then you never do. Um, well, well not mean, in this game. <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you. And I think it was for the best, right? Yeah. I feel like... So Balder is... I mean, spoiler alert, Balder is the main villain of this game, yeah. right? He's antagonist, the, if not yeah. villain antagonist. He's in yes. your way. And they do a good job when you fight him where you feel like freaking basically Superman fighting yes. each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you feel like gods. just like... Yeah. Uh, but... No, they with as much as they talked about Thor, you're like, Wim, especially since his two sons are in the exactly. game too. Uh, little known fact, I don't know if you knew this, they were both voiced by Troy Baker and Nolan North. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Uh, I knew Troy Baker was uh, voice item, but I and I didn't know Nolan North did until I yeah, watched the credits. But I didn't realize it was the two brothers. That's yeah. pretty funny. Um, Uncharted but, reference <laughs> and a lot of other things. Yeah, they, they have a new YouTube channel. Oh, do they? Together, where, well, where they, specifically where they play really, they play retro games, off, oh. and then they. Oh, that's kind of cool idea. I just meant specifically. Anyways, like getting a little off yeah. topic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you never get to Thor, and you're expecting him because it's like Thor does this, Thor mm-hmm. did this, Thor did this, right? But I think it was absolutely imperative that they didn't go yeah. that grand, right? Mm-hmm. I love that Balder is the only one really yes. in your way, yeah, because. It allows Atreus and Kratos to have that grounded story. I feel mm-hmm. like even if Thor was throwing it in with as grand a character as he is and everything, it would then have lent, leaned the story more towards what it was versus yeah. what it's becoming, right? It, it, it would become, I, you're right, it would become more of look at all these evil gods or the pantheon of Norse gods that we now have to go mm-hmm. kill. And that's what that's not what this was about. And that's what I also I was talking about earlier, where it's not just about destruction. You have Balder who he's a conflicted villain like right like by the end you understand like it, it's not just like we got to kill him to kill him um but beyond him there's other interact like you run into well obviously like freya um mm. and the uh Jormungand, or whatever the midgar serpent is like yeah. you're not attacking the midgar serpent he's an ally you know what i mean like i but in a previous version of this game or game of you know made five years ago ten years ago there would be some crazy epic battle where you're fighting Jormungand. Where you're skating along his scales, Crazy, you're going inside piece. him, you're tearing him apart from the inside, like right. But it's not that, and so those moments, I love those moments. Or even Mimir, like you are an ally. He's not a god, but like he's an active participant in your story, and it's not so. Also, solo. one thing I really loved about Mimir's character in particular mm-hmm. was I was so certain at some point he would flip. Right? Yeah. I was so certain at some point something negative would happen yeah. with his character. And I was so appreciative of the story when nothing did. Yeah. It's just like, he's just a straightforward 
guy, yeah, god guy, the that smartest was kind of, man in the realm, or whatever yeah, it is. Like yeah. I, I appreciate that there were same thing with the dwarves, right? And I, I was ex- I was expecting it with the dwarves, especially after that whole arrow scene. Exactly, with Freya, because Sindri right? gives like, you those arrows, and but then that was just because they, they were made of Odin. Yeah, she, so. and so I was like, oh wait, is Sindri bad? But then it never happened. It's just because of the circumstances. I like that they never try to pull the carpet out from underneath. Yeah, me, right. It was like I'm so expecting of those things now when I play through stories mm-hmm. and games yes, and everything. Exactly. I and, think, yeah, and even the same thing with Last of Us, which clearly had a major impact on where mm-hmm. what this game became. Right. Yeah. Uh, like that game pulls the carpet out from underneath you frequently, right? To not, extent, not, yeah. not in a negative light, but yeah. it just like yeah. it's something that even games like this they just yes. do it to keep you so enthralled. But this game managed to do it without ever having to yeah. fall back on that stuff. Well, it's it's kind of, it is very it's refreshing in a way where you know you're not having to constantly second guess things or mm-hmm. you're not trying to find well to a certain extent you are because you're in some ways you're of Kratos's mindset and you're like. I'm just waiting for someone to betray me. I'm just waiting. Give yeah. me a reason to distrust you. And when that never really happens, it's refreshing. And you understand and appreciate the kind of innocence from Atreus. And that it being an important part of you. That not everything is, you just got to kill it. Like, there's there's value in discussing and talking. Mm-hmm. And, and going towards his powers and like his skills, Atreus's, that he could read other languages. And he could communicate with other people. Like, that's such a... Uh, it's a cool ability, but it speaks so much to what the theme of this game is going is getting to, towards. Um, that yeah. he is a modern god, Atreus, and that doesn't mean that he just goes around killing things. Um, Except when he finds out he is a god and he gets a freaking well, attitude. Well, so that okay. So <laughs> I did have a couple uh, small criticisms with the story, and and those were the beats that I felt. So as I was playing through them, I don't, I, I didn't mind him because mm-hmm. at the time. They came across as so forced that I was expecting some sort of explanation, like he was under some sort of influence or spell. Especially when you go to Helheim and you see like the shadow versions of themselves, and he's like, "What? I said that? I don't remember saying that." I was expecting them to explain that away, but they never did. So to me, a lot of those those beats came across as like, I don't know, those this character one eighties mm-hmm. were a little disingenuous. Like they they for- were forced. Well, I mean, just the moment when he found out he was a god right yeah he almost immediately gains an attitude yeah and i i instinctively eye rolled right yes, i was exactly. just like oh god well, i gotta i gotta go through this arc now. at first he doesn't the very first time he finds out he's god that's one of those moments that are so just endearing and kind of comical because kratos tells him you're a god and he's like i am can I turn into an animal or something? And it's just like such a he's like, I, perfect. I he's don't, like, I don't, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's like such a perfect moment because it totally encapture, like captures what it's like for a child, a father and a child relationship. But also all of this baggage Kratos has with being a god and everything that's built up to this moment where like he's refused to say anything, refused to say anything, refused to say anything. And finally, it's this moment of Kratos just like, this could break the relationship. I might lose my son at this moment and he could hate me or he will. You're a God. And he's expecting this big thing. And all I eat you. Whoa, that's kind of cool. Can I turn into an animal? Like it, that what I mean. It's such a brilliant moment. And so that moment I liked, but then as it plays off down the line, you're right. Those other moments where Atreus all of a sudden just like gets a big head out of nowhere. Starts, those came he across. He starts as yelling false. at Sindri and everything. Yeah, like that came across as false to me. The moment, that so the big scene was right before you go back to Helheim where he screws yes. with you and Shoots Balder you in the fight. And, yeah. I was like, 
I'm gonna kill you, kid. <laughs> I am going to be the one to kill you now. And then, and then when you go back to Helheim, it's just like again, it's like a switch has been turned off, and he's back to normal Atreus. It's mm-hmm. like so that's why I was like, there must have been something influencing him. But when you find out there never was, or at least it never says there anything was, those was like, wait a second, those felt forced to me, and it came across as like, well, you just needed these to play off for the sake of it, right? Another forced thing. Only because I didn't really, maybe it's best because I didn't understand it fully, what they were going for, mm. was his sickness that was caused by the fact that he didn't realize yeah, it was he was a, a god. Like, I'm not 100% sure why that would, like, it's never explained to me why that would lead to him being sick. Yeah, I don't, I I agree with you. It didn't bother me too much, but I do agree it wasn't so specific. It was just more like a mental, like, it, like his body knew what he was but his mind didn't so it was just like a conflict of these things but i, I mean they gave him sick to know. the point of almost dying yeah like... i don't know and then exactly we need to go you need to go find the light of the heart of the guardian in helheim to cure him it's like what do you mean like what is this a common sickness where gods <laughs> don't know they're gods <laughs> like that you know what this cure so yeah no i agree that was again i felt those parts a little forced because it seemed to inform like the gameplay more than the other way around which for the most part i really appreciate the story and the characters driving this informed what kind of gameplay you were doing and it felt natural but in those moments if it was like oh we need to have this little thing where they go on he goes on some crazy adventure or he goes and gets his blades or whatever we just need that to happen so yeah atreus gets sick or okay so what did you think of this okay so the ending aside do you think Kratos was afraid of his son killing him? Um, the what ending? Like the very the, end? The first ending. Um, that aside, do you think Kratos had no. a fear of Atreus ever killing him? Because, ever killing him? Yes. Because he, one, that's just a common thing for Greek gods to well, do. Well, and that's what the whole... Patricide is all what Greeks yes, are about. they're all killing him. Um, but two, it's the whole Zeus thing in Helheim. Yeah. And is is so, just like that broke him down, mm. like Kratos down so much. He was so afraid. Atreus had saw that. Oh, I had killed my father, oh. or whatever, something like that. Like that's a good point. I didn't think about it in that regard, but it is a good point. Like I was more afraid that. He, I mean, I guess in a, in in an indirect way, yes. I to me, he, Kratos was afraid that Atreus would become himself. Right, which I guess part of that is killing his father, but I didn't, I didn't really recognize that aspect of it. He was just more afraid of Atreus becoming a, what he considers a monster himself, a bad person, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what his bigger fear was, I think. And then it's revealed in the first ending that it's foretold that he will be there. At least it doesn't show him killing Kratos, but it well, kind of very vague because the picture yeah. shows like he's absorbing Kratos's essence or whatever. Yeah, and so that's why. Well, obviously, it's a, they're planning on making more, and so and there's implications for a lot more to do with the story. And again, I think why it's smart they didn't leave Odin or they left Odin and Thor out because obviously they're we broaden mm-hmm. it up and make it bigger in the next couple games. But I hope that this series is going to be about breaking those cycles and those chains, right? So whether it's foretold or not, or you know that it doesn't have to be that way. That he could be his own person. I think it's really important too that like. She, you know atreus was supposed to be loki and so you could say that oh he is loki yeah but he's not he's not loki he's atreus 
So I think that's an important distinction. I think that's kind of clever of them to do. Like, mm-hmm. so all of our conceptions of that what was Loki huge. Is, that was yeah, that huge. was like because the whole time, also the whole game, I was like, okay, they're mentioning Thor and Odin. Everyone knows them. Everyone knows Freya, and like they. But wait, where's Loki? Everyone knows who Loki is, but they're not <laughs> even going to bring up Loki. So I was thinking that the whole time. I was expecting like you were talking. We were talking about someone a twist. Oh, Mimir is Loki. You know, he's the trickster. Someone like. So when that was revealed, and it makes a lot of sense because Loki is a giant and a god, and like, and that's what that's what Atreus is. Well, I mean, this still falls within him playing the Loki part, right? Because at the end, they bring on that winter, which is yes. the foretelling yeah. of Ragnarok, yeah. right? So obviously, moving forward, and this is all through Kratos and Loki's Atreus yeah. is doing, right? Is yeah. they're bringing on Ragnarok essentially. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 my point being that is I, I hope and I think that a lot of what they're getting at and what this game's going to be about is breaking that destruction of violence mm-hmm. that, um, that it doesn't have to be that way, despite what, you know, the cycle of history or, you know, and even Kratos, um, saying that I have to end the cycle. We can't just have, you know, constantly killing our mm-hmm. progenitors. Um, so I'm excited for the next several games. If, if not for that. Or for other reasons than that specifically. Sure. All right. So we've talked a lot about Kratos and Atreus and stuff, but the other dynamic, Balder and Freya, yeah. we haven't really touched on them at all. Yeah. Like, I, I think they're the foil to Kratos and Atreus, right? I think um, they start from similar positions, and that's all, all reminiscent of the previous God of War games. They start from a, a lot of what could become a broken relationship and mistakes being made in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And we see how Kratos and Atreus are able to forge ahead and build a stronger relationship um, by recognizing each other, who they are and what their mistakes were and what they can be. And Frey and Boulder not being able to do that and that just being a corrupt, negative relationship. So I don't know. I, I agree. I think it's a really important distinction, though, and comparison to make between those two. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they go with Freya and the mm. the sequels, since yeah. she's sworn revenge against yeah. you and everything like that. And it's kind of interesting because then right after that, Mimir is like, uh, she'll be out. She'll come around. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. Her. Is she going to come <laughs> I don't want her as an enemy. I liked her. Yeah, I felt... Would- that was another thing, right? Is they do a good job, you know. I felt, I act, I actually felt her love for her son, right? No, like, it's exa- and it's completely understandable too because Kratos. I think I don't know if he says in so many words, but he's like, "Yeah, I'd do the same thing. If your life was threatened, I'm of course going to try to like kill whoever's doing." It. So I totally get where she's coming from, and I understand that. But at the same time, like that doesn't justify him killing her. I couldn't let that happen. I right. had, we had to end that. So I was kind of during that final fight where she's interfering. I would at first I wasn't even attacking. I know. No, I was like, I don't. Okay, I don't okay. want to. <laughs> right. I was like, like okay, it, I I side with you, Freya. I will back yeah. off if you could get this. Well, under there, especially the moment where like it's pretty much the end of the fight and it's become kind of the quick timey parts, but where you basically have the chance to just pummel Boulder, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to. I don't want to. <laughs> and I was just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. I'm like, all right, like, I'll punch him once. And I sit there, and literally, I sat there long enough that the game just like cued the next thing. I imagine it's just a timed sequence, right. but no fail state. Yeah, exactly. But it was still just like, no, I don't want to. Like, I get it. I don't want to kill him. And I, and that's also why I definitely appreciate Atreus. Like, no, dead. It's done. You don't need to. Like, there's no point in killing him. Mm-hmm. He's beaten. 
in the end, you do. I, I have mixed feelings about Kratos killing him. In well, the I mean, it's just like one of those things where Balder refused to stop. Yeah, right? even uh, his masochism. It was pretty yeah. funny after. So I, I did a little research afterwards, and that I'm not sure where the mistletoe came from in the game. It just Sindri has here's some mistletoe arrows. They're kind of from nowhere. It's kind of weird. Um, but so that is the actual lore, right? Oh, is the fact that. When Balder was born, Freya made everything in the world promise not to hurt him, right? Oh, and that's yeah. that was the source of his invulnerability, yeah. except she never, Mistletoe never agreed or she never bothered to ask. Mm-hmm. It's so unassuming, yeah. right? But Loki found out about that, and then he ends up using that to kill Balder, yeah. which starts Ragnarok, so on yeah. and so forth. So... I thought it was interesting. I was just, but I was just like, where the hell did that missile yeah, come from? Yeah, it's kind of a weird <laughs> thing. They never really explain it. Uh, but beyond that, it's just like, yeah, Balder, as soon as he was able to feel, he just turned super mad. He's like, cut me. Yeah. Oh, I feel so good. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> cut me more. <laughs> and then, yeah, when you get the accent, it's like all the scenes. Are he's just like, like, yes. Him- <laughs> yeah. It's like, put it away, Balder. Put it away. <laughs> And then yeah, it was just he wasn't gonna quit, right? He yeah, was still no, he was I, still so unforgiving of her. Well, I mean that, and again, it's it's the foil to Kratos and Atreus. It's what happens when if if Kratos continued on the path that he was as the fa- the the role he was playing in the beginning of the game as that type of father. That's what Atreus would become. Would become bolder. You know, uh, you may call me a nerd for bringing it back to this, but it's actually. Almost exactly the Don't same thing. Don't you say it. Don't you say exact it. Exact same thing is Man of Steel, right? <laughs> you son of a... I knew it. I knew it. It's the exact same thing, right? It's where Superman knew Zod would not stop. Yeah. And they were equals. The same thing with Kratos and Balder, right? They were essentially mm-hmm. equals. And it was one of those things where Balder would not stop. It would just be forever a pain in Kratos' side having yeah. to protect Freya and such. Yeah. Or... Freya would just die, which he didn't want, mm-hmm. and things like that. Very similar to Man of Steel. Very similar. No, I mean, I, I like it because if nothing else, it is a little bit more nebulous and ambiguous in terms of the gray. Like, it's not pure black and white, whereas the previous God of War, it was just pure destruction. There's no point in it at all. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's a much more nuanced, like, okay, we're not saying this was the right thing to do, but it was better than the alternatives, right? And that's, yeah. a, that's a much more subtle, interesting idea than kill everything right um but yeah so the most part though i like yeah the story and character stuff was all amazing you think you're gonna in the sequel to return to alfheim because remember they mentioned that you may have made the wrong choice yeah that was also a subtle thing that i was like they never really went back to it um also i gotta believe that because you go to the six of the nine realms you don't go to asgard vanaheim which is where the two god races are from and Mm -hmm. then the last realm, which they never really talk about or explain in any way, is like Svartalheim or something like that. And there's no, I don't know what that realm is or anything like wow. that. So in any case, like there's so much, I could already see the potential of like, okay, we're going to go to Asgard in one of the new games, right? That's, I feel like that's mm. a given. Also, uh, while we're talking about Alfheim, I do want to point out that that was probably my favorite scene in the game. Uh, was when you were trying to get to the crystal in Alfheim and mm. all of those dark elves oh, just, yeah. and you're just like plowing through them because yeah, that was probably that was one fun. of the very few times in the game other than your fight with Balder where I was just like, I felt like Kratos, the god of yes, war, right? Yeah. I was just like, 
I, like yeah. you're literally just charging through. Yeah, these no, it was a really fun set piece where you're just like pummeling, destroying all these armies, and then the, and then it was a really cool moment too when you walk into the light and you're going towards Faye, and you come back and just Atreus sitting on this mountain of death. <laughs> He's like, like you were gone for so long. You're <laughs> yeah. just like you made me kill all these people, and like how like destructive that you was. Left on me, it as, right? Yeah, exactly. And that was a good story beat too. He's like, you left me. Oh yeah, that's what it was in. And Kratos just kind of being so afraid of the monster he is and becoming too indulgent. And after all he's done to try to protect him, these brief moment, and he's just completely left his son vulnerable and how much damage is done to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are a lot, the, lot, those were the best parts of the game. Those moments, those types of moments throughout um, were really great. Um, well, yeah, do you have anything else to say story character wise? Um, I think we kind of. Nailed everything we oh, want to talk about. There's the one, probably the best story be for Kratos in the game, which we haven't touched on at all. What's that? Major spoiler alert is when he goes to fetch the blade. Oh Chaos. yes. Well, yeah. I mean that whole sequence when Atreus is sick, um, he gets the blades and goes to hell. But home, it so. is yeah. That made my hair stand up. Right? Yeah, it was what the is- first specific reference to anything that's come before. When you see Athena in the boat and she doesn't say anything. And yeah, and then like, it's just like you you know Kratos' hesitance to do this and they really draw it out, right? Yeah. They're like he gets in the boat all quiet and you also it it goes well because there's a thunderstorm going on in the background, oh, yeah, which exactly. I'm not sure exactly I thought that had to do with Thor. Well, later on it implies that Atreus's emotional state has to do with right because when Atreus gets really angry and like the thunder comes down a little bit later on. Right. So I'm curious now if that's supposed to be partially because of him or is it just a mood and it doesn't really have any relation to anything? I don't know. I, I don't thought know. it was no because then isn't somebody blows the horn like right after or right before or something? Oh, do they? Yeah, they blow the Jormungandr horn. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So you have like a lot going on, right? Because. Mm-hmm. I heard the horn blow, and I was like, I want to know who blew it. Yeah. I want to know what's going on over there. But mm-hmm. the game obviously is like, nope, you're going this way, right? Yeah, and yeah. you're just, you're going down, like, you're going down the river very slowly. It's doing a, a, a good rotational camera deal. Mm-hmm. And then you see Athena show up, which was a major character in yeah. the previous series. And then uh, it's just like his attachment to Athena. And he's like, I'm not your tool anymore right mm. when he goes and actually gets the blades and yes. he sees athena at the door and, he, and she he's reminds like, him you yeah. will always be this person yeah. he's like right but i'm not your person anymore yeah. mm-hmm. like that that whole thing was just ridiculously yeah, powerful that, that when i remember playing through that that really kind of gave me like you said gave me chills and I'm just like oh man this is and it's funny too because i don't know if i ever really felt that way playing through any of the other god of wars like the, but just the not like like touching on those memories and stuff and i think even playing upon that they know people's perceptions of those games and anytime where it's like you're reminded of what kratos used to be and what as a player you used to do where you were just wanton destruction and to remind the player and kratos at the same time of like we remember what you did you can't you can't pretend that didn't happen we know what you did yeah and and as a player to like have I grown beyond that? Do I, am I still just this, you know, mindless person who loves to mash buttons and see blood on screen? Or am I beyond that now? Am I, have I grown into appreciate something more than what it, than mm. what it was and what it could be? So, Oh, also I really liked, uh, 
uh, Tyr, Tyr's room. Oh, that whole How he awesome. had references to literally every, or yeah. not literally. A lot of them, maybe religion. Egyptian, he had like, Greece. And... Yeah, like he had a lot of different religions yeah. all mashed up there, hinting yeah. at, you know, you can go anywhere now yeah, exactly. in this universe. These gods are all very wary of one another. Yeah, so they left it open for sure for the potential of not just Norse stuff in the future. I imagine that that will still be a focus, but who knows? Mm-hmm. They might like kind of go. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, well, like we said, if you were hesitant about spoilers, too late now. We just pretty much ruined everything for you. <laughs> all in all, it's just, I love the fact that they kept it so small, though. The father-son story, yeah. right? Don't exactly. call it the sins of the past. Things yeah. like that. Like, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they kept it, the story simple. I want to say purely small, but small compared to what it could have been. Mm-hmm. But I think while still having a lot of those set piece spectacle moments and this kind of goes into the gameplay but um they didn't necessarily skimp on it, it they still had those plenty like odd jaw-dropping moments um even if you weren't necessarily fighting thor or anything like that mm-hmm. when you first see jormungandr or when you're fighting the dragon for the first time or um when you're fighting boulder when you try to go to the Jotunheim. And there's just like that crazy air sequence when you're fighting on that air beast or whatever it is. Mm. Like all of those things were a lot of just just as spectacular as previous games. Um, but it doesn't need to have to do with like, we're this is the fate of the world we're dealing with. Yeah. No, it's just about, yeah, stop trying to block us. We're just trying to do something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so the spectacle moments were great. I mean, I think it's undoubtedly those especially this generation of games, um, they know how to do those moments really well. Um, part of that too, is I think the change in perspective, um, from the previous God of War where you're, you know, the far back camera and you're, it felt more like an arena. Now the camera is way more up close. It felt much more intimate and it felt much more, um, you know, intent, intentional for everything you were doing. Mm -hmm. And it, it definitely helped those moments too. So when you're doing those big, crazy, epic moments, you're right there with Kratos in this crazy maelstrom of whatever's going on. Right. So there was a huge shift in the gameplay between this and the mm-hmm. previous ones, right? The previous ones were a straightforward action, right? Yeah. It was very much uh, a devil may cry or any, you know, yeah, like that. Yeah, it, for sure. This one is very, I know, I, I know for a fact that the, Corey didn't like it being re- referenced like this, but uh, like a Dark Souls Bloodborne type. Well, game. yeah, I would say closer to Bloodborne because I did feel it was a little faster than a Dark Souls. But um, and I understand why maybe he'd be hesitant to those descriptions. I, I think it's just because it's more like it was such a change that people are naturally going to do. I found it similar to Batman in the Arkham games, not because of the combat style per se, but because of the perspective. And again, going to the size of Kratos on the screen, it reminded me how much like Batman, he's such mm-hmm. a dominant presence on your screen, just as a player that it's, it's really hard not to be, just feel like embodying him mm-hmm. as he's doing all these things. So this game the previous games were very much a button masher, right? You can get through them, just mash and attack, right? This one kind of does away with that through multiple means, right? Mm -hmm. One, the the combat is just refined to a degree to where you don't have a catch-all attack anymore. Like in the previous ones, you would just spin the blades of chaos around you in a circle the (laughs) whole time and you'd be okay. You'd be hunky-dory. The other part is the enemy AIs and how they design them. They're a lot tougher in this Mm -hmm. game. 
uh, the difficulty has been ramped up yeah. even on normal mode to the variety of things you can do too yeah. makes it so you you kind of have to be aware of all of your the RPGs elements yeah. um, um well what what difficulty did you play through i on? played through it on hard not yeah. god of war because yeah. i heard that that mode's kind of bs i i also played through it on hard mode and i was really happy with that difficulty i felt yeah um it was a perfect but, balance i thought I love the combat, don't get me wrong. However, it falls into a term that you're probably very <laughs> accustomed to, the ludonarrative dissonance, yeah. right? Is the fact that I am Kratos, the god of war. I am a Superman. And yet, oddly enough, the hardest parts of the game and the parts where you're more li- most likely to die are on the very scrub enemies, right? Yeah, well, the, when there's uh, a lot of enemies in an arena are usually the harder spots. Some of the bosses were actually easier because it's so much easier to focus on one. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it was really cool because it felt like a duel, right? Like, it was just you and you, and you you just, what I'm, how, who's the best at their abilities? And am I the best at knowing what abilities you... Which is but what the it, Valkyries are, right? Yeah, the Valkyries are great. I've only actually fought one Valkyrie so far. There's a lot of endgame content I still need to do, but, um, Valkyrie fight was awesome. Even though I failed a lot on it, I never felt frustrated. I felt like, ah, I know what I'm doing. I know what I did wrong there. I know what I did wrong there, right? <laughs> I had one Valkyrie that I was fighting. It was like 11 at night, and it, this ended up going until like 1. <laughs> yeah. Where I just kept dying on the last little bar of health, right? Oh, I would yeah. get her, and then thing. I would go into attack dog mode, right? Yeah, I'd be like, like I just almost, get her done. almost there. But that, and I just you, kept no. dying, and I kept yeah. dying. I did it for two hours, and I was just like, screw it. I'm putting it down. I'm yeah. going to bed. Screw you, this game. Because you get so close, and they know. They're like, that. don't do it. Don't but you know greedy. what you're doing wrong, right? Yeah, exactly. I came back the next day, beat the first you're time. You're getting greedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I so in a lot, but again, those dual aspects definitely felt more Dark Soulsian, than, yeah. You know, because it's just like the one on one and knowing your abilities, and you're being more deliberate in whatever ability you choose to do. And those those huge arenas, not huge, but bigger arenas with more guys, especially guys with like projectiles as their melee guys, those were the ones I found the most frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it was because it felt like a lot of times, um, I wouldn't say that you were like. You had no options, but it just felt like there was very little I could have... Like, you kind of had to... There was a lot of luck that was involved that... Maybe luck's not the right word, but... Like, there were parts where, like, there was nothing I could have done. Mm-hmm. I, I just got ganked there, and I really didn't have any options. And I think... as I also like the come up, but one of the criticisms I do have is that... Those moments... I think those moments are exacerbated, though, is because sometimes I'm... I'm almost, like, paralyzed with too many options. Yeah. Right? Where no, I agree. Um, there's so many things you could do at any one time. You're like, what's the best thing to do here? And then you're like going through, well, I could use my axe. I could throw my axe. I could use Atreus. I could throw, use my fist. I could use my blades. I could use my runic attack, my second runic attack. I could go into rage. Mode. Like, and each one of those things has branching abilities after you. Do, so you're constantly just like, ah. And so you inevitably fall to some of your tried and true, but you can't rely on those all the time. So you have to mix it up. But it's hard to keep all that in your mind. So uh, I'll be interested to know how you built your Kratos. Yeah. Because it really comes down to how you built, right? So mm. one one valid build would... So you have, what, attack, defense, cooldown, runic, mm-hmm. a couple of luck, stuff like that, right? So I built attack and defense mainly. Mm. I got this amulet really early on that increased my parry window. Oh, uh-huh. And then after that... so. Killing all the enemies in the game, uh, basically, and doing all the side content, awards you 
more way more than enough it's probably broken yes. how much more than enough it gives you experience to put in and max out your tree i maxed out yeah. my tree on like everything really yeah quick. i did pretty and so i had all that early. stuff so and then i got i got runes Rune or what? no like the the elements you put on the enchantments yes i put those I got a lot of those that had like rage mode, where yeah. rage or oh, not yeah. rage mode, but, but bonuses to rage, or mode. not bonuses to your rage, like your 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 yeah. Spartan rage, but bonuses like where you're you'll just double your damage. Oh yeah, you get a little like bur- burst of a perk. Or yeah, something. so I had a lot of those, oh. and with my and I even had it to where it would pop on parries, successful oh, yeah. parries. So I turned myself into just like this freaking oh, really? destructive cannon, where it's just like. I, I have an open a, a wider open area to parry and then I that would then increase my damage afterwards oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So I was doing so much ridiculous damage because I built attack and defense. Yeah. But I know I know another successful way of building is around runic and cooldown. Yeah, yeah. Because runes are very useful, especially against like the Valkyries and mm-hmm. such. So how did you build? Um, I I think I guess it was probably a little closer to the strength. I don't know if I really went one one way or another. I it's funny. I I focused on luck more than anything, just because as someone who I'm always trying to optimize, like getting more experience in gold uh-huh. is like of course. So I'm just going to build luck so that I have to work less later on. Um, but like you said, you end up getting so much that ultimately it's, you don't really need that stuff. Yeah. So I maxed out all my stuff pretty early. The other thing that I didn't really key in on, and I don't think they did a great job explaining this, was the way your level works and how that levels with the enemies. Yeah. And it's based entirely on your gear. So the whole time I was like, oh, I'm getting my stats and, you know, luck and stuff. But my level would, my, I, I was on level two for probably over half the game. And so when I started coming across, especially there's a, there's a major part where like the world opens up and you can do a ton of side quests. And I got to that part and I'm still on level two and I was running into these guys who were like level five and six and they were one-shotting me. I was like, what is going on? Like I get I'm on hard mode, but one-shotting me with just like these basic mobs, like uh-huh. these joggers that are like, what is going on? So it, it wasn't until later, a little bit later that I figured out or realized that it's like, oh... What's what? Why do I have a level? Should like I mean not why do I have a level, but what is this level doing and how does it affect things and stuff? So and then I started like because I wasn't buying new gear. I was like, why would I waste my money buying this gear that I know I'm going to get better stuff for later on? But I'm like, oh, I probably should be doing that. So it kind of I kind of realized that and it got a little bit easier for me in the second half of the game. Partially Mm -hmm. just because I think you're stronger anyway, but partially because I realized that. But for the most part, I think I did a pretty good balance. Like. I remember putting a lot in strength, but I remember using rune a couple runes like uh-huh. all the time. But they were strength based runes, or you know that just yeah. Like there was the one where you power your axe up. It's not a move in and of itself, but it powers your axe up, and then it allows you to like stagger enemies on almost every attack. It's it was super strong. It's such a strong way. So especially in boss fights and stuff, like I would just be able to take down bosses like. You do one parry or kind of get them in, a, in that little window of where it's good to get a couple of attacks in. And I would I felt like I'd be able to take down like a whole bar of their life or something. Yeah. Like one little combo. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. The levels aren't ever really explained. So yeah. the level, even though your level goes up, it doesn't mean yeah. anything to you as the user. 
All it means is if you're level five and you see a level five enemy, that means you're on the same exactly. level, yeah. right? It, leveling up doesn't do much for you. It just lets you know, hey, your, your gear has gone you to. to this level, yes. right? Yeah. And so that's important. But I did, I did use so for my ice axe, my runes. I actually I didn't change them too much. I used uh, the one where it shoots out like that circle around you. Yeah, I used back. that, I used that one. And then the other one I used, I think, was where you underhand and the ice comes from the ground in a straight mm. line. Oh, I used that for a while, too. I, I used all of them. As soon as I got a new one, I would equip it just to check it out. And if mm. I didn't like it, I would go back to something I like. But I at least tried out everything I got. Um, and I remember those. Yeah. Well, I the reason I didn't really try everything out was because I had built around my oh, my attack thing yeah. that I wanted to make sure that I always had a way of clearing everything out around me. Oh yeah, and so I never wanted to get rid of that. Yeah, I tried to keep my my light runic attack kind of kind of a pushback or, or, or an uh, AOE. AOE or like crowd control, and then my strong runic attack be just pure, just like help do damage uh. or a massive damage dealer. Or the power-up axe ended up working really well. Um, and then also, I, in terms of actual combat, especially against like the Valkyries and stuff, I never used anything other than the wolves. for. The... I, I think those are my favorite, but again, I would switch anytime I got a new one. And I ended up with the boars with the last one you got. So I just kind of stuck with those for a while. Mm-hmm. Just, and they were pretty good. I, I don't know if they're my favorite, but... I got used to them, so I was afraid of changing them up because a lot of my combat was based like knowing what those what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking to Atri- I loved Atreus' role in, in gameplay and combat in this yeah. game. Like it was such a fun way to make him feel integral to the journey and to like your every moment to moment gameplay. Um, especially when you like he would always be my priority. Anytime I got experience to power up, I would always level him uh, his abilities up mm. before I like leveled up most of my stuff so his arrows are so strong and like the runic attacks really strong and i got his gear so i felt like when in doubt all right i, I could just kind of kite these guys for a while and just have them start picking <laughs> yeah. guys off and especially if they refresh you get the refresh really fast perks on him and stuff like he was able to do significant that's basically damage. how i started taking down travelers because those guys were annoying. oh exactly right? and they hit really hard right yeah. and so i'd be like stay away stay away just keep shooting yeah exactly. <laughs> i could just kind of and then occasionally there'll be a health thing that drops. You could kind of try to stay alive a little bit. Um, but then especially with the stun arrows or lightning arrow, he would kind of stun them. And then I go in for like, I'll have my ice powered up and I'll just like stun lock them even more. And mm-hmm. it's just like really nice way to do massive damage to him. But uh, again, just playing a little bit to the story too, just how much he Atreus feels like it, it almost doesn't even feel like he's a side character. Like you playing him, him. He's is, integral to combat. Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll figure this required. out as you start going through the Valkyrie fights, but there are some Valkyries that have unblockable attacks. Oh, you just gotta have him. Like, and you have her. to be, you have to know when they're using it and have him use interrupt. to interrupt. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely very integral. Yeah. So I also, another thing I did in combat I built around was stun, which is another reason why I always use the wolves because they had oh, the highest stun. stun. Yeah. Because I love doing the stun finishes. Yeah, the stun finish was nice. I mean, basically the one shot kills. But I think that was one of those times, though, where because I had so many options, a lot of times I would forget I had those options or like knowing which enemies they it's more effective because mm-hmm. some enemies you like boom stun them that's the way to bring them down that's the most efficient optimal way. but other enemies it was just like they didn't your fist did nothing or those stone attacks didn't seem to really do a lot mm-hmm. of stun so 
like it was hard to know when to and when not to like to adapt that strategy for right. those enemies. Um, so it was oh, usually I would just resort to my basic kind of um, tried and true axe stuff. Uh, I will say too, it's interesting because when I first started playing, I went to the options and I changed it to the classic control style. Mm-hmm. So as much as I do think that this combat is a huge improvement from the previous God of Wars. To a little bit, it came. It, it, it went back to me pressing square, square, square triangle because the natural, the way they, which is I think smart, they map the attacks to R one L one or R one R two in this game. That's how I played. Yeah, and I think how most people probably played. But in my mind, there was still too much of like this like subconscious thing <laughs> where it's like no square and triangle should be attacked. So I re- and they allow you to remap it to that, and I played the entire game that way. And actually, a lot of it I I did like that way anyway. Because then um, R2 is Atreus' attack, and that trigger feels really nice as that ranged bow and arrow mm-hmm. thing. Um, but to a little bit, especially when you get the blades, it felt super, like, in the best <laughs> ways. Like, not a, right. because it's 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 still not um, so wild and crazy and loosey-goosey as the other God of Wars were. But when you get the blades, and I'm still pressing square, 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 you know, there's a little bit of that, like, kind of bleed through. Um I didn't mind it too. I, like I said, I still appreciate this combat way more. But uh, it was kind of interesting how mm-hmm. there's still a little bit of uh, reminiscent of the previous games. No, I really like that. Uh, so d- did you do a lot of stun finishers? I did a fair amount. I think I got the uh, labor. Ever, I finished the labor. Did for you it. ever finish that? Do it on one of those uh, wolvers or whatever. I think so. Where those you, guys were a pain in the butt. You like grab guys. their lower jaw and you. Oh, maybe rip I it. did too. So yeah, yeah. You, you basically what Kratos does for when he finishes them yeah. with the stun finisher yeah. is he grabs their lower jaw because they're like a dog, right? Yeah. So he grabs it and he rips it Ugh. down. And it's the most God of War. It's probably yeah, the most God of War thing in this game. Yeah, in the game and yeah. it pulls all the oh, way down God, their no, body. I did not do that because I would remember. <laughs> it is funny because yeah, in the previous ones, like you gut the centaur or whatever. There weren't so gratuitous moves in this. Yeah. And even times when they could have, they actually purposely panned the camera off so you weren't seeing a lot of the gore happen on screen. Mm-hmm. Like it, And again, that takes a certain level of like a, a deft hand of maturity. Like There's no reason we need to show this other than just appealing to like, oh my god, so cool, look at that, right? It's like, yeah. no, we're not going to show that. We well, I mean, to. I do agree with you. But I will say, in comparison to the originals, at yeah. least the ones I played, yeah. Uh, I did appreciate that the combat felt a lot heavier. Oh, yeah. It, it felt heavier, so when I hit somebody, I felt like it was hitting them. Yeah, right? there was a lot more weight, and that's what I mean, too, where everything felt more deliberate. Every action you did felt much more tied to your player, mm-hmm. whereas before, you just like Max, and like Kratos is doing all these crazy flailing things, but no, in this one, you every button pressed, you know what is going to happen when you do it. And there's a lot of like, even the things like the axe throw felt really satisfying when it like would come back to you. There's a there's a good satisfying schlunk, right? Yeah. When it comes back to your Gotta hand, right? right? So like, and it's a simple thing, but it's a really just like a fun, innovative way to kind of style the combat in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um Aside from combat, though, there's a lot of other gameplay, like uh, this, the exploration, I love. Like, I, I want to call it open world game. It's open world-ish. You said it's open, hub and, hub and spoke, spoke, right? That's what it's called. Um, yeah. But all of the, like, I, I guess I would say that there weren't really, like, great puzzles, but they were just interesting enough to keep me, like, oh, I, like, I just got to figure this out. I'll, I'll take an extra couple minutes yeah. to kind of, like, and a lot of it was just um, exploration and observant 
kind of style gameplay mm-hmm. or environmental like kind of like figuring stuff out well the biggest thing is finding like those the, the, the ultra chests right yes. that were locked by runes yeah. those those ones where you're just like the heck is yeah, that? Yeah, it's just rune. like you walking around this space, going, "I know there's a rune," and that's a, it's it's a really fun, like a really good way for like you have all this intense combat that's super stressful, mm-hmm. and then you have these moments of just like you having to observe your environment and just like taking it all in, and it's just again speaks to just like the dy- dynamic nature of the game itself that it's not just all one note that they do a really good job of the full spectrum, mm-hmm. and as a player, you really feel that you need those moments of of tension relief where you're just like able to breathe and kind of observe balance with those more intense moments. Yeah. One thing too, I guess we could kind of touch on is that how, how much there is in this game, this game story, the story alone, I, I didn't get everything, but I, I probably tried to beeline as much as I could through so the story, and it took me 20 plus hours. So there's two, also two realms that are literally side content, right? Yes. There's Niflheim. Yeah. Which is like an arena tile area, so that's not too unfamiliar. And then Muspelheim, which, which is I, combat challenges. Or sorry, Muspelheim is the arena. Niflheim is the other. I don't. I haven't really done a lot of Niflheim. Okay, so Niflheim is like a time challenge yeah. for combat, where you go into like this poison fog, yeah. and you got to try to collect a certain yeah. amount of these items Mm -hmm. from within the fog and then get out before you freaking die right and that one so there's a lot to do there and the combat challenges in muspelheim also there's a good amount of those that were eating up quite a bit of time i've spent easily over i think 40 hours yeah um and beyond just those there's so much like fun collect so there's like whatever 50 artifacts which each they're like little treasures you find in the world which are just kind of fun. They're nothing great, but there's a ton of lore. Like there's there's like these cool paintings or like you know yeah. wood etchings that you find, and each thing you find it builds into the history. But it's also a little side quest as you find stuff. There's all the um, other just like runes written around the world that you find. Destroying there's Odin's, Odin's eyes. ravens that are hidden throughout the world. So stuff that is more or less familiar in terms of these kind of the style world games. Feels it feels yeah it feels but yeah everywhere you go it's like oh man i still have these ravens to find i have treasure chests to open i have these labors to do i have these dragons to release entire like side quests that in a game like this isn't traditionally filled with side quests but there's actual full-on sections of the game that you don't even have to go into but they have all this content more dragons with these huge monsters but you don't even have to come across you only have to come across one in the game and there's i think three others two two others Oh, there was riding a dragon. So you're oh, on that right. dragon there, oh, and okay. then there's the dragon that you saved okay. Sindri from. Um, but then also just like other side quests. But then beyond that, too, is things like Mimir's little lore. Any conversation that he has about some comment on the nature of some god or this realm or whatever is all added to your lore, and it adds to the world, and it's just a fun conversation mm-hmm. to have the interaction there. Um, and then the Valkyries, too. Like, the Valkyries are some of the funnest like intense combat stuff and they had a lot of lore too right like yeah. i haven't finished it once you beat the queen i think there's some like more story stuff that happens am i wrong about that i've heard that there is some like not like like an ending or anything not like that, a lot but, but a little tiny this bit is of a more little story bit stuff. more okay yeah. um but yeah the whole time just like i if i wanted i could spend hours and not mm. even like play through I'll do some more story beats and just be completely entertained through just like the yeah, like, oh, there's these trolls I have to fight, or these ancient, whatever they're called, the ancient elemental kind of things yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, 
Lots to do. Lots of stuff Lots to do. Lots to do. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, God of War. Um, if you haven't played it, highly recommend it. We hope that you had played it before you listened to this, because a lot of the fun and the appeal of the game was a lot of those surprises and the story and the discovery of all this stuff on your own. But if you had played it, um, hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you if you hated the game or you disagreed or you have other thoughts, let us know about it. Would be cool. It would be cool to hear what other people think of this game, um, um, or maybe stuff that we did touch upon that you really loved. Um, so yeah, comment on any of the places that you listen to us, or write us an email at yumchunk or yumchunks at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we're happy to hear about it. And if there's any other games that you really like or you might want us um, to talk about in the future, let us know about that too. We we're probably going to do some more game episodes, but we'll we tried it out this week, see how it went. So. Uh, anything else, Chris? Chris, what else is there to say? Boy. Boy. <laughs> be better. Oh, that was... What, what is it? It's like, don't be sorry. Be better. Yes. Yes. So yes, don't. everybody take that to heart. <laughs> don't ever be sorry. Yeah, exactly. Just be better. Bunch of failures. <laughs> that is the perfect thing. Yeah.